I mean, people are going to be shopping. That's not going to change. For sure. You know, yeah. yeah. It's easier to do online stuff, but even like I'll use Best Buy as an example, they're going to be a business and they're going to sell their products. Do they need a 30,000 square foot big box store? Maybe, maybe not. Right now they still do. But if that ever changed, I still think they're going to need a bricks and mortar location, whether it's just you go there to test the iPad or see the computer, you order it there potentially and it gets shipped to your house. Fine, but they're still going to need bricks and mortars. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. Really excited to be bringing you Craig Whitman. Craig is a partner of the Huntington Properties. Um, he joined uh, his father's business uh, after uh, a couple years with us and graduating from the University of Waterloo. And, and the business has just grown tremendously. You know, from a staff, he was the fourth person joining the business. And now they're, they're up to 20 people. They're developing a $100 million property up on in the Ottawa area, they've got a, a number of other properties that they're developing. And uh, we dug in really, really deep to, you know, best practices, values, processes about have the massive success that he's had. So it's really, really amazing. I know you're going to love this uh, conversation. And again, what do we ask? Please share our podcast. Please introduce other amazing uh, young leaders who you know to our program. Welcome to send me any information or contacts to cthompson at studentworks.com. Have a fantastic day. Thanks. Well, Craig, thank you so much for joining us on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, fantastic. I know we're, uh, you know, just just uh, just connecting about, you know, the challenges of, uh, you know, living through a pandemic. But, uh, but you know, we're uh, looking forward to better days, right? Absolutely. Challenges personally and professionally. (laughs) Personally and professionally. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but you know, um, Craig, why don't you take us back? What were you like before joining the student works management program? Um, I would describe myself as, uh, very eager and, uh, quite naive, I think a little bit as to, all the different forces um, involved in the business world. I was always very eager to to be in business. Right. You know, before student works, obviously it was, uh, I was just during my first year of university. Um, I had just basically come out of the realization that I wasn't going to be an NHL hockey player <laughs> or, uh, Damn. you know, going into, <laughs> I took a year off after high school and, and, uh, played junior hockey thinking I might try and get a scholarship, but kind of let that go partway through the year and change of direction and really focused on a university career to get me into business and, and really, you know, a strong desire to, to make money. Make money. Okay. (laughs) Was, was, uh, that's really what got me interested in, in, uh, in the program. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. And so, so you, if you think back, um, any big frustrations as a teenager before you got involved in the business? I, I wouldn't say any, any huge ones. I mean, I think I, I don't know if it was a frustration as much as a desire to, to provide for myself instead of, you know, having a sense of having to rely on my parents. Right. Um, I think that was kind of, I would say the biggest thing, just wanting to be independent. Yeah. Okay. No, I get it. I get it. And, and yeah. so, so if you think back on, you know, your, your, your summers with us, you know, any big lessons, what do you still rely on? I can't say I rely on it every day, but I regularly think back to my, 
um, to my experiences with the program and, um, you know, really the values and just the general transferable skills that I learned by going through the program being the resources that you guys were able to provide and the support and, and the experience of actually doing it. Right. You know, was, was huge. I mean, you know, I, I still think about the, the, some of the value. I I don't know if I remember all of them, but you know, be on time, do what you say, you know, those are, those are kind of pillars of, of whatever business you're in, it doesn't matter what yes. it is. And, um, you know, I, re- I rely on those things regularly to be successful. And, and by going through the program, really, really gained confidence and uh, to kind of move on from it and, and get to where I am today. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no question, you know, and again, like, uh, like you, I, I, I joined the program early on in university and it's those habits that you really start to use right at a, as a, you know, early, late, late teenager, early 20 year old. And just, just then it just becomes your way of doing it. Right. You're, you know, you're, you're identifying you're on time. You're identifying, Oh, I, if I said something, I got to do it. If you know, and, and, valuing relationships, all these different things that really, again, become consequential across any business. And, and so, so, you know, um, uh, you know, obviously you were a top performer on our program, you, you know, you made the Mexico trips and, uh, what did you do after student works, you know, graduating from university of Waterloo? I had a strong desire to travel after, mm-hmm. uh, after university. So, um, I took a job hammering nails in, uh, for, uh, home renovations and, uh, uh, renovator home builder and, mm-hmm. uh, worked for them for, well, the, the idea was I was just going to be kind of a laborer for eight to 10 months until I had enough money to go travel. Right. And I started working there after a couple of months, kind of got pulled into the office to talk about sales. So I ended <laughs> up doing some sales works for them. No surprise. That'd be a, that'd be a bad use of Craig Witten. Oh. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I think they saw that I was more valuable as a salesperson than, than a guy hammering nails. Yeah. And got into doing some accounting and uh, kind of business management. It was a small group. Right. So did that and, and then traveled for, uh, for four months on my own to Australia and New Zealand and Asia mm-hmm. and, uh, came back and, and I was working for the same company again. Um, they didn't have a great, uh, business knowledge and, mm-hmm. uh, they struggled and, I saw that coming. So I, I left. And at the same time I was working there for probably maybe maybe another four months after I got back right? and mainly fighting fires. And, uh, the same time my father, um, was trying to recruit me into his business. Um, he has commercial real estate, uh, syndication and management business. And he was essentially a, a loan operator with a couple in administ- one administrative and one accounting staff and okay. um, managing about 15 commercial properties in the Ottawa area. Okay. And uh, he would use a lot of third party contractors and agents to, to manage those properties. And, and one of those big things was leasing vacant space. He would hire third party brokers and okay. um, the fees are, are pretty significant. So he wanted to bring that in-house and it was getting to a point where the volume of the business not only required somebody to, to manage those leasing leads, um, but also kind of other aspects of the business. Right. So I came in and, uh, and helped with that kind of the asset management side of things, leasing and, you know, works, works happening, uh, on the building construction or otherwise. Right. And uh, started working with him um, in 2010. And so if you think back on, you know, because like, I, I think there's a real great 
learning from what works, what doesn't work, right? You know, and 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 I know I had an experience right out of right out of school. My, the first opportunity didn't work, and it was like, oh, there's all you know. It's like, oh, this didn't work, and this didn't work, this didn't work, and it's like, it's like doesn't matter how good I am, it's just not going to work. The product didn't work, the financing wasn't there. There's so many things that were wrong, and it was it was, uh, and and again, as as long as you're there looking for lessons, a lot of people could have looked at that as a failure. I didn't. I looked at it as a real learning lesson. But what about yourself? What what didn't work there? And again, not making those people wrong or bad or anything, but what what didn't work and and what what did you see in comparison to you know what you're doing now with your dad's business and student works? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good question. The um the operator of the business was a basically a general contractor that had on staff salaried employees. Mm-hmm. And the way the construction world works. You know, there's sub trades and there's a reason for that specialization and Mm -hmm. painters can paint a house um, more efficiently if they're doing it every day because they have a system and a way of doing things that is efficient. And when you have one person painting and being the carpenter and being the plumber and being the electrician, they don't know, like there's, there's a lack of efficiency because they're jumping from one thing to another thing to yeah. not, Hey, this is another one that I forgot to mention earlier. Finish what you start. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? Yes. That's and, right. Uh, when you're, um, a lot of these guys lacked direction from their, their manager, if they had a manager, right. I mean, each site had one person in charge, but there was a lack of direction and too many people trying to do too many things and a lack of control. Right. So that, that happened on site. There was a lack of control and then there was a lack of control in the finance world of the business as well. Right. And, uh, and ultimately I think it could have been solved and fixed and been a successful company, but there is a lack of uh, willingness to make changes. To make changes, yeah. and uh, from the from the owner, and uh, and ultimately just went out of business. Okay, well that's that's too bad, and and I and I get it because ultimately another thing that salaried workers don't do is 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 align, you know, with results economy. Align, you know, one of the great things about sub trades is okay, this is how much the painting should cost, mm-hmm. and I'm paying you that, and this is how much the electrical should cost, and I'll pay you that. And so good electricians will get it done faster and more efficient and effectively, and go fantastic, right? Love it. And uh, bad ones won't want to work there and they'll become uh, salaried workers for some bad business. Yep. <laughs> so, so it's, 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 that's why, again, the sub trade business works that way. And, uh, and so if you're not aligned with what works, life's going to be challenging. So, uh, so I'm sure that's how you've aligned uh, and worked uh, with your, with your father's business is, is that sort of process. Yeah. I mean, um, so I, I started leasing and really that was, you know, I don't know if we were saving a lot of money by doing that um, because you end up paying brokers generally anyways, but mm-hmm. you definitely control the process. And, you know, that, that was a big thing is controlling and, and having control of those leads as opposed to putting them out in somebody else's hands. Um, you know, the, the other side of it was getting our signs up and brand recognition, you know, mm-hmm. where nobody really knew what Huntington was. Then all of a sudden we put up 10 signs around, around the city and everybody says, wow, you guys are really growing. <laughs> well, no, we just put up signs actually. <laughs> but, um, just started to market. Just started yeah. to market. Yeah. yeah. Whereas previously it would be Collier's or yes. Cushman or, you know, Royal page or whatever it is. Right. So, um, in 2013, uh, we brought, brought on a partner with my father now, and, uh, we brought on another partner, um, who had, ex- has experience, had experience in, uh, development and construction. So we used to hire general contractors to do retrofits or capital work to our properties. Now we, we manage that in house, um, uh, which again, maybe isn't a big, isn't a big savings, but, um, when you can control timing 
you can save money, right? So maybe the cost of the project isn't isn't a big savings, but um, getting a More tenant in there rented. one month early, yes, um, makes money. So yeah, yeah. Um, that was the big reason for doing that, and and we continue to do that today. And then to go back to the previous one, one of the things as well about being involved in really looking for tenants is then your, your, your selection process probably got better, right? Like that's something as well, like really making sure that we're picking the right people because we're picking the right businesses. They're less likely to, 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 you know, have, have attrition, you know, and, uh, and then again, stronger, stronger businesses in your commercial property will attract other stronger businesses. I imagine. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And it attracts better financing, you know, the stronger mm-hmm. tenants, better financing and less risk and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, higher multiples really on, on valuation. So. Right. Which, which yeah. allows you to, to do more, uh, growth. Yeah. Yeah. It's a domino effect. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh yeah. No, no, for sure. For sure. All these things. It's like, it's like every little thing makes an enormous difference because they all add up. Right. And they, they, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like our, you know, our business, it's like, why are we, where we are? Well, there's so many, many, many little things, but they all add up to make it just a, a huge, huge impact. Yeah. Which, you know, kind of comes back to the, the core values. You know, if you, <laughs> if you stick to those core values, you know, they are transferable no matter what business it is and, and will help, help your business. So mm-hmm. whatever business you're in. <laughs> right. And so, so it, 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 you know, you mentioned early on that when you joined your, your, the business was at a certain level, what, what, what else, what else have you been able to move on to? Uh, Cause I, I remember seeing one, one enormous property that you're working on, on, uh, on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, so our business model was to, um, buy existing properties and, uh, and add value to them, mm-hmm. um, which would create a return to our, our investors. And, uh, so my father had a, a number of successful projects and kind of some built up demand from these investors that had invested with him, um, to, to find other projects. And, okay. uh, so, we had the investment capital, um, and what's always been, what's always the struggle is finding the projects to invest in that, yes. that, uh, that will make money because there's always stuff for sale. It's about finding, finding the stuff that, that we can add value to right, and, and buy them at the right price. You know, often hear the saying that you make money when you buy. <laughs> yes. So we're, we have about, uh, 27 properties under, uh, under our umbrella and we, we manage some other properties for, for other owners, but, uh, we've got into buying vacant land and developing from the ground up as opposed to just buying existing properties. So, um, we built a retail plaza in Barhaven, which is a suburb in the South of Ottawa. It's a Mm -hmm. 40,000 square foot, uh, property, three different buildings. And we got A&W drive-through spin studio, some restaurants, uh, nail salon, dentist, kind of the typical, uh, suburban retail plaza. Right. Um, we've been working on a project in Stittsville that is, uh, a, another retail plaza that ha- we signed a lease with Loblaws, um, oh, fantastic. They, they opened a no frills, um, mid 2020. Um, we're planning to build another 40,000 square feet. We need to get a certain amount pre-leased kind of like pre-sales. Yes. yes. We've got all our financing lined up to build that. And we've got tenants like Starbucks and, um, Loblaws as mentioned. Fantastic. So, um, we're building some apartment buildings also in Stittsville, the West end of Ottawa, 43 unit apartment building that we started uh, a couple months ago. It should be done in December. Um, we're starting a, um, a separate brand for our residential property management called touchstone, um, so that'll be one of my projects this year is, is, uh, getting that business up and running with a, right. with a new manager. It's a 
it's different management than commercial because you could have a call at 1 a.m., which which generally yes. we we don't field calls like that on the commercial side. So just a a different uh, different business, really. It is, yes. So a lot of transferable stuff, but uh, but it's different. And then uh, the big project you're alluding to is in the the east end of Ottawa near Saint Laurent Mall. We're building a approximately 300 units of mix between retirement home and apartments, uh, which is about a hundred million dollar project. Wow. Yeah. So it's, you guys uh, are busy, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lots going on for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, wow. So, and so how big is the team now compared to when you started? Um, our, we've, our staff is about 20, including, okay. uh, the three partners. So yeah, I would have been maybe the, the fourth or fifth employee up when I joined. So. When you joined. Wow. Wow. And so I know one of the things you, you talked about was adding value and really that's, that's really what business is about, right? Is creating value for for, you know, your, your customers. And, and, and so you, you've got multiple customers, you've got customers like Loblaws, you've got customers like your investors, you've got customers like the, 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 the tenants who are going to be there. So there's, there's all these customer groups. So, you know, how have you, you know, thought or, or, or looked to distinguish yourself in the marketplace or create value? Like what, what, what's, what, what is that thinking been or, or, you know, uh, uh, I'm just interested in that. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head with the customers. We have two different customers being our investors and our tenants. So the the tenants pay the rent that makes the investors happy. So yes. really it's about, yeah, attracting investors to be able to buy properties. But um, if you're able to to make tenants happy and attract tenants, you know, the investors will come. It's kind of the yes. way I look at it. So, yeah. um, you know, we've, we've kind of always prided ourselves on being quick to respond and provide flexibility. I mean, when, and it, and it really depends on the marketplace that you're competing in to get those tenants. So, right. you know, in the downtown core, you're competing against pension funds, right? Well, What's what's a weakness of a pension fund is the ability to market. quickly do something. <laughs> yes, <laughs> whether it's making a decision or or getting work done. Um, yeah. You know, if they want to move in 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 two months, well, you know, we got to show them that we can do that, and and likely that'll weed itself out against competing against a pension fund. Right. You know, so it's it's really understanding the customer and in their needs and, and responding to them, you know, professionally, promptly and accurately. Yeah. And, and I, and I can see as well, one of the real key things is, as you've been creating these new, you know, locations, it's like getting that main key tenant, I'm sure first or early or, you know, and again, or brands, Starbucks, you know, you mentioned, you know, again, you yeah. A&W, blah, blah. It's like, Oh, okay. Oh, good. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you know, and what's, what's that been like? Is it mostly just because you've got a really good plan that, that they see, oh, we need a location here. We're excited about that. Or, or, you know, how, how's, how's that thinking gone or strategy gone in the in early stages? Yeah. I mean, so when we bought the property with, with A&W, it was actually a property zoned as townhomes. Okay. So it was being marketed to the world or to the to the marketplace as a residential development right and um you know we we looked at it and said hey what about commercial like what's lacking in barhaven well yeah there's ton of houses already so yeah. you're kind of just getting into the mix by building houses or rentals and mm. so you know what's different. It's not that it's our product is that much different. I mean, we, we like to think that it's higher quality than, than the average. Right. But it's, it's making a plan that, that fits what we thought, what we saw as a need, which is, which is retail space. Right. And, uh, and then designing it that it would fit and meet those tenants. So, I mean, retail, you hear a lot of doom and gloom about retail. Yes. I mean, 
people are going to be shopping. That's not going to change. For sure. You know, yeah. yeah. It's easier to do online stuff, but even like I'll use Best Buy as an example, they're going to be a business and they're going to sell their products. Do they need a 30,000 square foot big box store? Maybe, maybe not. Right now they still do. But if that ever changed, I still think they're going to need a bricks and mortar location, whether it's just you go there to test the iPad or see the computer, you order it there potentially and it gets shipped to your house. Fine, but they're still going to need bricks and mortar. So um, when we built our our retail and design, well, designed our retail, we designed it to be no more than 75 feet deep so that you could split it up into sections and have smaller uses or also still have, you know, a, a bigger a bigger tenant, but, you know, the ability is there to make it, you know, a 2000 square foot space so that, you know, it, it will have longevity and will always be attractive. It changes with the marketplace as the marketplace changes, because you're right. Like I feel the same way. Of course, I'm buying more and more online and I still, you know, you know, want to want to go to stores or it's just, you know, you're convenient and you're driving around. Okay. Or, you know, I, you know, again, I guess I don't need everything delivered to my door. Sometimes I'm out. So I want to just pick something up. I don't think that that need is going to change immediately for everybody, you know, I just, you know, and, and again, there'll be more of a mix, you know, it's, it's not like retail is like you said, completely going away. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, restaurants are becoming more smaller even. And so just the ability to kind of chop it up within reason, obviously, of course was, uh, was kind of the way we designed it, which, which I think will, Help made it successful to where it is a successful property now, fully leased, um, but also kind of will stand the test of time to to stay leased and and not have you know any long term vacancies. Right, because and that's that's really obviously the real key, you know, to long term successful, you know, location. It's just oh, always lo- always leased, always leased, always leased, and having those main tenants all really helps with that. Yeah, because you know, a Loblaws or whatever those they they bring in a lot of people, so they're around your location, or a Starbucks, you know, or whatever, they're around your location, and oh, hey, let's go over here, right? That's a big part, I'm sure, of the commercial marketing space. Yeah, generates traffic, which, which generates you know, traffic. The other, the other real re- retailers want to be around. So, um, how did you know running a business was the right thing for you? I guess um, I've just always had a strong drive and determination, and um, you know, with with running your own business, you you reap what you sow, and mm-hmm. I mean. I, as uncomfortable as the ups and downs are sometimes, that's, mm-hmm. you know, the most enjoyable part of it too. I mean, right. you know, maybe not getting results for six months is, and then, and then, you know, just keep pushing and working hard and, and being positive and, and overcoming that six months of not being successful to get that one success is incredibly yeah. rewarding. And, um, and I just have never seen another way to be as rewarded as you are by, by going through that. And that's where you build confidence, you know, starting from, you know, really starting from student works gave me that confidence by knocking on those doors in January and February in Ottawa, driving yeah. six hours from Waterloo <laughs> every second weekend to go knock on doors in the winter and uh, getting one lead uh, an hour, um, <laughs> you know, was I, I don't know if it can be much harder than that. I mean, obviously it can be harder than that, but yeah. you know, it's uh, at the time you think, why am I doing this? And, uh, <laughs> but if you keep going, um, yeah. you know, next time out, you'll get six leads in 20 minutes <laughs> and, yeah. and it all, uh, it all comes back around. So, yeah, you know, just, the up the roller coaster ride is is enjoyable, although um, 
at times it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, I think, I think at this point, you know, there's more and more confidence to know that, Hey, you're, you're not getting the result. You're not getting the result. You're not getting the result. You know, you will get the result, right? So, so it's, you know, after years and years and it's before when you got started, obviously you trusted your DM, you trusted the process, you know, you trusted it and just said, okay, okay. And, uh, I think that's a big part of it just because again, anything like what you, your, your partnership has done is truly remarkable, right? <laughs> and so if it was easy, anyone would do it and anyone would have hundred million dollar properties. Uh, and very few people do. Yeah. So, so, you know, so, you know, again, it's, it's, this stuff's hard to do, you know, yes. and, uh, and, and that, you know, you know, that, that competitiveness, that drive, you know, it, it really, again, helps, helps get it across the finish line. Yeah. You know, and, and so, so when you think about, um, you know, failures or mistakes and, you know, how you learn from those, what, how, how do you see those crack? Um, I mean, I think, you know, specific failures. I mean, we've had properties that, that, uh, I mean, kind of aside from that business that we already talked about, we've had properties that, that haven't been successful. And I can think of one specifically where, um, we bought a property and, and we bought it for a price, make money when you buy, we bought right. it for a price that we thought, okay, this, this is a no brainer. We're going to, we're going to find a way to make this work. And, um, you know, it's attractive to have the best tenant, um, such as a Loblaws or a Starbucks. Yeah. Sometimes they're not the right tenant. So, um, I, I signed a lease with a, a big, um, a big strong company and they occupy, they occupied two thirds of the building we purchased and we, we kind of, we had to do a major renovation. It was like a million right. dollar renovation on, oh. a, on a $3 million property that we bought it for 3 million, but it was million dollars we had to put into it. Right. And that was kind of along the lines of um, once we get this tenant in here and we do this work, the building is going to shine and it'll lease right. up in a flash. Right. Right. Well, that didn't happen. So then we were stuck with this vacancy and you know, the percentage of at least wasn't enough to get the right financing we needed. So then we were carrying this debt with an interest rate that, you know, we, we weren't expecting to carry for as long as we had to. Right. And it just, it got to a point where we had to sell it. I mean, looking back now, the market has turned and maybe, maybe we, we shouldn't have sold it, but our, our investor mm -hmm. group really wanted to just right. move on cut, from cut it. Cut losses, move off. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a significant loss, but we didn't, we didn't make money on that project. And right. so, I mean, that's where, you know, you really got to look at each individual project and, you know, understand who the best tenant is, not just the most attractive because um, the most attractive might not make dollars, you know, right. it's, it's kind of like, well, to relate to, to this, the summer management program, you know, you want to quote each project so it's profitable and, you know, painting maybe the, the most visible um, property in the town right. might not be the best decision because, you know, there's opportunity cost and yeah, you get your sign up up there, but, you know, why not go paint the one around the corner where it's just scraping a couple windows and you know what you're getting into as opposed to right. maybe taking the main street. That's a derelict you know, siding that needs to be scraped for two weeks before you even right. put a primer on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if that answers your question. But, <laughs> no, well, but, well, you know, but, and, and part of it is, 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 is that ultimately sometimes you're going to make the wrong call, right? Like, you know, and, and again, even if, even if you'd held onto it now, you'd probably still say, Hey, there would have been a better call for the, for our money. And that's okay, right? Like that's that's okay, right? So you know, um, meaning it's just impossible to you know to to get them all right, you know. Yep. And then and then you go and rationally come together. Your investors look at it and say, okay, hey, why don't we just go and divest our money and go 
put it into another project, right? And let's, 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 you know, let's go do something else. And then, hey, what did we learn? We learned some lessons. We're going to take it on. And that's, that's the, that's the right, that's the right play. And I imagine as well, like a big part of the, 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 the commercial real estate game is really managing, managing debt, not getting, you know, over, over, overstretched. Cause, cause, yep. it, you know, this, this market has gone up. What is it now? 14 years in a row or something just <laughs> ludicrous like that, you know, and, and, and it's been the, you know, just an incredible rising, rising market. And there has to be some turn eventually, you know, that's just how life works. Right. And, and so, you know, how, how do you, how do you prepare for that? Or, 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 you know, you guys, you guys sort of, you know, ready for that, if not saying it's going to happen, cause it certainly doesn't look like it's going to happen, but I'm sure it will happen. Yeah. Just, I mean, we, we talk and think about these things all the time and yeah, the asset management side of it is, you know, debt management as well. And that's, mm -hmm. I mean, the biggest part of it, I guess. And, uh, it's, it's just devils in the details. You know, you take care of your, take care of your individual tenants and, mm -hmm. you know, don't, you know, a big thing is making sure, you know, tenants don't fall behind on rent should they yeah. fall behind on rent, have a plan. Um, it's really kind of like the hiring process, fire yes. early, hire yes. slowly. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the same thing with finding tenants. It's, it's like hiring a staff. Yeah. And, you know, you, you don't want to prop up businesses, you know, by not letting them pay rent and defer rent into future years that, if they're not making money now, why are they going to make money next month? Yeah. They're not going to. It's it's not just better for us. It's better for them to cut it ties is. earlier and not drag them through the mud, right? Mm -hmm. By by giving them by giving them rope, you know, you're actually doing them a disservice sometimes. And yeah. not saying that we're not that I don't, you know, work with tenants, but there there has to be a plan and action items and you know a direction forward to become profitable and you know it's pushing tenants to make that happen i mean sometimes you know with small businesses they, they don't have a, a mentor or a or yeah. someone to rely on to give them advice and um you know i really try and push that with them to mm -hmm make them provided. I mean, I don't, I don't act as a business coach for them, but I, I ask them tough questions to come up with, with how they're going to make it work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And no, and that's, and that's critical. And, and, and again, and then it's uh, critical for the success of your business. Right. So, you know, it's just, it, you know, again, and you you are, you are correct. And I know in our program, it's, it's, it's when people aren't going to win, it's us who've seen thousands of operators see this and then have the conversation early, you know, see it, you know, show it. And again, let's turn it, let's turn it, let's turn it. And eventually we, we stop it. And, you know, before they invest more and more and more and then see a, a really bad outcome, you know, and, and, and I, I know exactly, I know exactly what you mean. So it's, uh, it's having that experience that, you know, the years in the business really help with that. Right. You know, and, and that, that you're seeing as well. So, yeah, and I, I learned that along the way. I mean, I've I've had tenants that have gone out of business that I let, you know, stay in our properties for too long, and you know, it just wasn't good for anybody. So, yeah, just learning through experience is is a big part of it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it just makes you more proactive. I know that over yes. the years we've just gotten more and more and more proactive, and and the just the quality of person who comes into our program, the quality of person who stays is just continued to rise just because you just see, otherwise it doesn't work. And then, like you said, same thing, I'm sure for your tenants where it's like, someone's just struggling and struggling. Hey, it's just, you know, they're, they're better to reach the market forces to say your business just isn't working, yeah. you know, redeploy, you know, as, and, and, and do something else that likely will, you know, have you, have you be successful, you know, economically. So I related that to hiring in, in the, uh, in the program there. And, my first summer, I had six painters, the same painters the whole summer. Wow. The next summer, I had about 20 different painters because I learned from that first summer, you know, who my, who my performer was. It, it, 
performers were and who weren't and what could have been different. And uh, I did it in different different cities. I did my first summer in Ottawa and my second summer in Waterloo. So it, it, it was, but, you know, my second summer, I just, I wouldn't carry dead weight. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. And so as you went from a university student to a, you know, full-time owner, owner, you know, value creator in the full-time world, what did you have to change about yourself? I guess, um, I was kind of a bit of a lackadaisical, uh, personality coming into the business world. Um, and very friendly and avoid confrontation. And I mean, maybe not speak my mind as, Mm -hmm. as, so I, I learned that sometimes you just have to be the bad cop and you have to tell people stuff that they don't necessarily want to hear. And it's not enjoyable to deliver. Um, it's not enjoyable for the, the other party receiving it, but you know, sometimes you just have to be strong and Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, what could be perceived as mean, even though it's not, Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Um, for sure, but it can come across that way. And you also, I mean, you can't as much as you want to believe, you know, everybody's going to, going to do treat people the way they want to be treated. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily the case. There's people out there that, um, only have their interests in, in heart or in mind and maybe are even to take it a step further there to take advantage. Yes. So, um, you know, those are, are lessons that you learn through experience and those are changes that, um, I had to make about, about my personality, um, to adapt and, and more attention to detail too. I mean, um, just, you know, following up and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff that, empower people but you also have to manage them um friendly in a good in a in a nice way sure. but but uh you can't not follow up 100 percent. and and it, it you know it's one of the things as well about the business that you're in you know you're really about assets and really expensive assets so you're totally right finding the right people you know and the right tenants is just so important just just again because it's you know it's an it's 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 an incredible investment you know and someone doesn't treat your properties well then that's an enormous uh, risk so so uh you know and the other thing as well it's it's to me it's like uh confront the brutal reality, you know, tell the truth. Right. And, and certainly for me, I've gotten better and better and better. It was a weakness I had as well, you know, when I got started and just, just, you know, no, this is really what's true. And, uh, and, and there's just so much power to that. Uh, the more the, you can, you can really, you know, take off the glasses. (laughs) This is what's happening here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, seeing things for what they are as opposed to what they could be or what you want them to be. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, a balance between pessimism and optimism. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, uh, yeah. And if you're not an optimist, there's no way you go build a hundred million dollar property. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have to be an optimist to make the investments that your partnership group are doing, Craig. And We've got to be a pessimist or a realist or, or, you know, what's going on or just, you know, I think just a realist, you know, but we've, we've, we, you know, again, we wouldn't make the investments if we weren't an optimist again, you know, but you know, we've got to be realistic. So. Yeah. Sometimes I explain stuff to, to some of our staff members and they kind of look at me cross-eyed, like, you think that's really going to happen? And the optimist side is you have to push for what you want to happen. Otherwise there's no chance, right? You got to take a shot. For sure. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, reaching for the stars. Yeah. You might not reach that star, but, uh, you're going to get close. (laughs) You're going to get close. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what about, what about habits? What key key habits would, uh, some of our young leaders want to steal from you? Hard work, persistence, um, would be kind of the big ones. I think, I mean, Mm -hmm listening is one of the things I take 
great pride in, which was, which is probably something I've, I've always done that hasn't really changed from even when I was teenage years was, Mm -hmm. was maybe listening more than, than talking. Yeah. I try not to say anything that really I'm not going to do or follow through on. And that's kind of telling the truth, but, but also just, yeah, telling the truth, I guess. Mm -hmm. I heard a saying the other day, it was, uh, you know, it was somebody retiring out of the commercial real estate industry. And he was saying uh, one of the lessons he learned early on in his career was uh, somebody told him to always tell the truth because then you'll never have to think about what you said. (laughs) Yes. And I don't know if that's an actual quote from somebody, but <laughs> it, 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 I've heard it. And, and I think as well, once you start dealing with more and more people, it becomes more and more true. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, again, you've got 20 staff members, you know, we have, you know, 23 district managers now. And, you know, it's just like, it's just, hold on. This is just, this is what I understand to be true. You know, so, so, you know, and again, maybe I forget what we said, but, you know, and we write everything down. So what, you know, like, you know, so, so hundred percent, it's just, there's no way as you get your life gets more and more complex, uh, the truth is easy to, easy to remember. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, cause, cause otherwise it's just telling lies is, is just a impossible game, right? You just, there's yeah. just no way there's just no way. And, 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 um, you know, and again, just also how, how transparent everything is and, you know, everything's written down and emails and texts and all that sort of stuff. So God, life is hard enough, uh, yeah. but, but <laughs> gosh, yeah. you know, mixing in some lies. Oh, wow. That's tricky. That's <laughs> <Exactly>. tricky. <laughs> Another big one would be, uh, just being prepared. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I look ahead to my day tomorrow and I say, you know, I'm not shutting my computer down or going to sleep until this meeting about this property well do i have everything i need whether it's the set of keys to get in yeah. or yeah. the the information i want to provide and right. you know if i'm going to send a report to a third party owner and have a meeting with them well i'm going to first review that report before i send it but then review the report and put myself in their shoes and say, what questions would I be asking my manager if I was going into this meeting based on this report that I'm reading before the, I, I assume the owners are reading the reports before we go into the meeting. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, and they're going to come prepared with a list of questions. So I'm going to put myself in their shoes and anticipate those questions and be able to answer them or tell them what action items I've taken to be able to answer their question if I'm not able to answer it. And um, that provides a great deal of, gives me a great deal of confidence in myself on daily basis because I know what to expect mm-hmm. and anything that comes up is generally, I can explain why I don't have the answer. <laughs> and it's not just, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the other thing is it gives your clients an enormous amount of confidence, right? Your investors or your, or your clients like, oh, okay, okay. This is well thought out. Okay. He's this, you know, to me, that's integrity, right? I'm doing what someone would think about it, right? So I'm, again, being very, very thoughtful, right? Is, is really what it is. Paying attention. You know, yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally see, you know, thinking again, and one of the things is the more, again, you're a real specialist in commercial real estate, just like we're specialists in developing young leaders or specialists in painting or, you know, window cleaning projects. So the more you do it, the more you see what customers are thinking. And so you go, okay, hold on. This could, you know, again, I've, I've had hundreds of these meetings before. So what do they like to be considered? Okay. Here's the checks, you know, like this is, this is what we're working on. So that's awesome. No, and that thanks for sharing that. I think that's really, really great for our leaders to, to sort of hear, you know, just that thoughtfulness because it's probably not, it's something that we really work on, you know, like again, in 18, 19, 20, 21, that's not something I would have considered myself thoughtful, um, <laughs> working hard, striving. That's what yeah. I would have, you know, and you, same thing for you, right? I'm, yeah. no, I'm going to go knock on more doors. I'm going to go hammer it, <laughs> yeah. get yeah. more clients, you know, yeah. no, there's a, there's, there's another spot that really matters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So final question, Craig, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? Yeah. I, so I, I thought, you know, um, somebody's 
been through the program really will have learned, you know, the pillars to any successful, to the habits of becoming a successful business person that, that are transferable. It's not about painting. It's not about window cleaning. It's about the habits that make you a successful leader. And I kind of focus on business leadership, but, um, you know, just treating people fairly and, you know, treating, whether it's your, your clients or your employees, um, just how to handle difficult situations. You know, it's not like, Chris is going to, you, Chris are going to be able to tell these people starting out, you know, if you run into this situation, this is what you're going to do. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but by telling the truth, you know, the, the broad habits will guide you in the right direction to learning how to deal with those situations. I mean, you know, to draw on one of my experiences is quoted a job. I underquoted it um, and it was taking me, my painters a significant amount more time to do prep work and, you know, just going to the confronting the uh, homeowner and telling them the truth um, went a long way. And it, I did it two days too late, (laughs) you know? So (laughs) you learn from that, that, you know, people generally speaking are, are pretty understanding if you um, are prepared and yeah. and are truthful. Yes, that's exactly it. So, you know the the framework that you guys put in place really is a is a great uh, roadmap to success. Well, thank you, thank you, Craig. Uh, it's it's really great. You know, the, the, one of the best things about this podcast is I get the opportunity to reconnect with uh, amazing, amazing people. Um, so really, really great uh, uh, seeing you. Hopefully we can get out on the links. I remember uh, playing down in Mexico with you years ago. Uh, so uh, be be well and uh, and and really uh, excited about all the progress you're making in your career in, uh, in, the, in the commercial development business. That's great. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Okay, take care. Okay, okay you have an yeah. awesome day. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply, and I can't wait to see you on the other side.